Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Episode 13, Season 2 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Our guest today is Gus Katsaros from NBC Sports Edge and McKean's Hockey. Going to get into the Yes Guy, No Guy Awards for the Leafs to this point of the season as the Leafs rolled through a home game against Edmonton on Wednesday night and continued their winning ways. Fractured season, but it'll all even out in the end. Before we get going, hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. And you know that that's going to happen. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so somebody is going to light the lamp. Somebody is going to win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, no worries. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Throw down $1 in any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. What is the promo code? I have to ask you that. What is the promo code? It's THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. What is the promo code? THPN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So let's get into the lease. A win over Edmonton on home ice with no fans on Wednesday night. Zach Hyman's return was honored. Nobody there to really celebrate with him, but that's the world we live in in Canada and certainly in Ontario, but most of Canada is pretty well the same as we battle through COVID yet again. But in terms of the Leafs, what we're seeing here is a really good effort. So what I decided to do with Gus Katsaros is go through the team. Let's listen to this assessment. All right, Gus, let's play a massive game of yes guy, no guy. Yes guy meaning what you like about the Leafs and no guy, your concern. So let's start with the positives. There are plenty of positives here. The first one I'm going to throw at you is Mikheyev. 
a noticeable difference with him in the lineup. He scored uh, Wednesday night against uh, Edmonton on a power play. He's got shorthanded power play goals. But the thing you notice about him is he, he shoots the puck more. I mean, even when he doesn't score, you notice that he's, he's firing the puck at the net. And this guy to me, I'm going to throw a musical theory at you. This guy to me is you've got a good song, and then some guy walks in the studio and starts playing something in the background, and you go, that's the missing piece. Am I right? That's the solo that Eddie Van Halen played on <laughs> Michael Jackson's Beat It, and it just increased that song. So, yeah, just totally understand. So, actually, you hit you hit a point that um, I have a little bit of a contention with. Mikheyev's shooting prowess was actually not very good when he became um, a full-time NHLer. It's improved. So, it's one of those things that we talk about. Uh, we talk about players on a development scale. Um, and we usually attribute that to younger players that are going through the development phase to become legit NHL players. Mikheyev being a little bit older, not necessarily a prospect, but jumping right into the NHL lineup hasn't proved that. He's probably one of the fastest skaters in the league now. He wasn't when he first joined in, uh, um, joined the Leafs two years ago or three years ago, whatever that was. Um, and at the same time, the element that he brings is not just the scoring prowess, and yeah, his shot's better and his positioning is better. Um, he provides a, st a stability factor where you can kind of push him up and down the roster in the second, third line. Um, and it doesn't take away anything from the offense, but provides a bit more of a defensive element as well. So I'm going with the yes guy because I think that this is a great ability to throw players into uh, into the fire Without having a lot of warm-up, I mean, after his injury, it's just a matter of getting himself ready to play. Um, and he's really proven that he could just kind of hit the ground running. That's what the Leafs need on a game-in, game-out basis, considering all the COVID protocols and the uncertainty with schedules and games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So two points I want you to, to react to about him. When he is skating, he actually creates his own space. Um, the second thing is, you know, he had the uh, the thumb injury. And, and so uh, it, it leads me to believe that while he was rehabbing and working his way back, they actually worked on development with him, which is probably a, a, an area that the Leafs don't get a lot of credit for. So the skating itself, I think, has improved dramatically. Um, his edges are much better. Um, and, yeah, it was a thumb injury, and you're kind of able to, to – to use or at least develop other components of his game. Um, but he wasn't as dynamic a skater as he was now. So it's clear that he's been doing work off ice, off the season, um, and while in rehab to make sure that he's able to stay at NHL pace. Um, and, you know, people often ask me what my what the most important skill is in hockey, and I think it's first-step acceleration. So to your point, he creates his space. A hockey player has to be able to create space with the puck and cut down space when they don't have the puck. That is a real forte that Mikheyev brings, and which is also why I think that he's a good defensive foil on top of any offensive contributions that he's able to make. Well, I mean, quite frankly, if you don't have that first step acceleration, you're uh, on the bottom part of the roster and probably in the American Hockey League. That's what separates, doesn't it? You're describing Nick Ritchie to us, aren't you? Well, yeah, I hate to say it, but that's, that is the, the, the void there, right? You know, there's actually, I have a bit of a contention yesterday. Everybody seemed to be blaming Nick Ritchie on uh, the goal by Brendan Perlini. Um, I, personally, I think that that was Jason Spezza's mat. Perlini started in the, in the defensive zone in Edmonton. Jason Spezza let him go right through, right down the middle. So now you have a player like Nick Ritchie, which doesn't have the first two-step acceleration that Mikheyev does, and he has to close down that space quick while Perlini's already at top speed. So if Mikheyev perhaps was in that instance, he might have been able to cut down that space. Um, but we need to make sure to attribute 
who's at fault on a certain play and not just automatically pick the Nick Ritchies and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, and sometimes when you're looking at highlights, the highlight doesn't go back far Absolutely. enough to understand Absolutely. exactly what happens. I mean, they should, uh, obviously their time commitments and my show was guilty of that because I only had half an hour, but I mean, you want to go back another 15 seconds to find out where the play starts to unravel. Um, I want to talk about the third line because this is a complete yes guy for me, regardless of who's on it. So in the Wednesday night game, Engvall got moved up and uh, McKayev, of course, is there and, and Camp is there, but I thought Engvall had a pretty good game. Yeah, Engvall has really put, well, I think Engvall pushed himself into uh, a permanent member maybe within the first 10 games. Um, he slipped a little bit within the first, like, let's say 20 to 30 games. Uh, sorry, uh, right after, and and there was a little bit of a bubble. He's pushed himself back into the, the lineup full time. And, you know, this is actually one of the things that Toronto Maple Leafs have done very well, except that in the playoffs, they're able to plug their holes with the players that they have on their roster. So Engvall moving up and down the roster is important because it gives them the flexibility to do that. Adding Mikheyev, again, gives them another player that they can kind of add up and down the roster. But if you're looking for the perfect stability of a third line camp has shown that he's a very good defensive player my concern is that they don't necessarily use him in every defensive situation like protecting a lead late in the game etc etc they're using more offensively oriented players in order to achieve that um but you could put camp with cache and engvall and that's a really good third line in any and any team in the NHL, you could remove Engvall and throw Jason Spets up there to add a little bit more of an offensive flair. You might be able to get away with a Nick Ritchie. That's because there's compensation from the other two players. So it's good to have that third line that can contribute defensively because that's kind of what your expectations are. But there has to be a bit more of an offensive element. And as much as I think Kemp has done a phenomenal job defensively, there are certain offensive elements that I seem to uh, question. Like there, there, there's. There's something missing offensively, despite the fact that he's been scoring a little bit more on the rec uh, more recently. Um, I think if they're able to find some kind of semblance of balance between offense and defense on that third line, the Leafs can really roll out three solid lines in the playoffs and make sure to capture uh, catch their opponents on their heels on a more consistent basis. I agree with what you're saying about Camp. Uh, the the thing that I, I I'll go down another road with him on is is his arrival and, and what he does and solidifying the third line actually allows everybody else to fit better, and that includes Kerfoot. Kerfoot was sort of a, a floater, and I don't mean that how he played, but in terms of where he was on the roster, now he's solidified on the left side with uh, Tavares the Nylander, and, and that's helped the team because they, they can do that because Camp solidifies the third line. So sometimes uh, you maybe want a little more depth out of a player, but the fact that he's there just allows everybody else to do their job which is a big plus that always gives the coaches the ability to move things around during games, right? You, you have an, the most optimized roster going into a game, but if Kerfoot isn't Kerfoot and isn't able to skate with Nylander and Tavares and they can drop him down to the third line and move another player up, that type of flexibility gives coaches the ability to kind of counter um, the items that they're probably seeing shift to shift on a, on any particular team. It's not like they're focusing on one specific opponent. These aren't the playoffs. So every game is going to show a different element and you want to be able to kind of move players up and down the roster. Kerfoot is an interesting example because I think that from Kerfoot's perspective, I expected him to be a permanent third line player to add that offensive element there. But because Nick Ritchie and both Kashe haven't been able to solidify that top left wing uh, role, at least put them both in uh, um, in in permanent 
places there, they've had to, by necessity, move Kerfoot up. I think it's worked as an experiment, and they kind of got a little bit lucky in that regard. Um, they clearly need to do something about Nick Ritchie and pushing him down the lineup and being a healthy scratch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it changes the way my expectations for Kerfoot was at the beginning of the season to where they are now. And perhaps even at the trade deadline where I thought that he would be one of those players that they might want to move to try to bring in another element of stability, let's say on the defense. I don't think that that's the case anymore. He's played himself into a top six role and that's fine by me. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, last year, the odd time when he was up there, he looked pretty good. Uh, so that works. And, and when Tavares went out against Montreal, he was a key component to fill in. So, he, I mean, he is a value to the team. There's no question about that. Another yes guy is Prakash, who, you know, obviously didn't play on Wednesday night, but but he has, uh, I, would, I would say, exceeded expectations. Uh, there's a lot to like about this guy. Uh, when you watch, when he's on the ice, you can't miss him. He's always doing something. And, you know, he can play in the special teams, too. He's one of those perfect 200-foot players, not necessarily an offensive dynamo, but strong enough to be into high, to get into high danger areas. Um, we're going to put the fragility on the side for the moment because right. health has always been an issue. Let's not focus on that. When he is in the lineup, he is always in high danger areas. He is always along the boards. He's always around the puck. So offensively and defensively, he's really, really capable of uh, providing any element that coaching staff expects. I don't remember if it was six or seven games, but while the Leafs roster was in flux with all COVID and all these injuries and all that stuff, and he got his time on the power play, he has a point in six or seven straight games. I can't remember if it was six or seven. Um, so that kind of shows that you could put a player of his caliber on the power play and they could still produce fairly well, um, even though he's not exactly a power play specialist. So Andre Kasha is one of those players that, health aside, was going to be a definitive uh, uh, positive for Toronto. Um, and we're seeing it when he's in the lineup. It's unfortunate that health is really the the, the, the dagger that, that just hangs over his head. Um, you want him to be productive and you want him to be in the lineup you don't want him to be as fragile as unfortunately he's shown over the last couple of seasons so far so good this season but the jury's kind of still out yeah i mean it's a, a lot to go but you know just sort of sum up uh, and this is the ultimate yes guy for me if we put cash into a category where he's uh, contributing not necessarily on the scoreboard but is you, you notice him on the ice if you put Mikheyev now into that category. If you put Camp into a guy who allows Kerfoot to move up, if you put Bunting into a positive category because he does all kinds of things away from the puck that eventually turn into something good, those, if you look at all those elements I've just outlined, they were a void last year. There, there, there wasn't that contribution. That's correct. And that's probably one of the, and you know, it seems like he was more of an afterthought um, as a signing. I guess later in uh, uh, in in free agency period, but he was a vital vital player. It's just it, it's it's unfortunate that we have to continuously go back to health because as much as he's contributing, if he's not available in games where you really really need him, now you got to make those shuffling, um, and coaches kind of have to figure out exactly what to do when you have an impact player. And Cache is an impact player regardless of where you what what uh, what his statistics are. Um, you could see that he is a, a, an impact player every time he's on the ice. He's always around the puck, et cetera, all the things that we've just discussed. Um, it, it's the fragility that really makes it a little bit more difficult to rely on him fully. 
Now, my spies tell me that you have an interesting power play stat for John Tavares. John Tavares has a point on 47% of all the power play goals while he's on the ice. So what that tells you is the Leafs are getting it done without a lot of help from Tavares. He might do a little bit of the setup, but he's not necessarily getting a lot of points on that. So imagine, because their power play is uh, night and day in comparison to last year. The element of surprise, the element of unpredictability has really been fo the focus. They've done much more as far as tactics are concerned. Um, Tavares is also the net front presence, so it kind of shows you how they're not necessarily using rebounds or net front to, to generate scoring chances. They're doing it by creating seams, creating openings, and then if there's anything above and beyond that's required, he's the cleanup guy in front. So imagine if from that 47%, he gets all the way up to about that 70%, which is about the average for all the players in that band across the NHL where they're producing. For instance, he's got 10 points on, uh, uh, at five on five, uh, sorry, at five on four. Um, within that band, the players that are generating those type of points are getting about 70% of, uh, sorry, getting points on 70% of the goals scored. Imagine if he brings that up to 70%, the least power play is going to be deadly. So they're actually showing that there could potentially be an upper limit depending on just how much better Tavares starts to perform on the power play. Okay. Um, another positive. Uh, let's go to, uh, and, and Lilligren is out now with the COVID protocol, but I really liked what I saw of the Sandy Lilligren tandem. Um, I remember doing a preseason game, I want to say two to three years ago when they were on the ice. And I thought these guys are vital to the Leafs, not only in terms of their salary, their entry level salary, but at some point they're going to be the four, the, the three, four guys. And when you watch them play now, you understand that that could be, if not next year, the year after. So Lilligren has always been a bit of a forgotten player as far as the skill set that he brought when he was drafted. Um, the focus has always been on him dropping in the draft standings and the Leafs got him in a very respectable, um, in the teens there. I don't exactly remember what the number was. Yeah, mid-round. So... The thing is his mobility, his ability to skate, and his ability to read the game were the three big attributes that really made him a, 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 likewise, a, a very likable prospect. So now we're seeing, as far as development is concerned, those three elements are really starting to come into more focus. He's mobile enough to be able to keep up with NHL pace. He's smart enough to understand that, you know, sometimes I just can't do that, um, but I can join the rush and I can kind of get back and defend as well. Um, there are still some elements that he still needs to kind of iron out. But in the end, um, he's on an upward trajectory that essentially puts him in that 3-4 spot. Sandine is kind of similar in that regard, although I would give Sandine a little bit more of an offensive element. He still has to work a little bit more defensively. But I think that that just comes along with playing and experience. Um, and NHL pace, I use that a lot. If you can't keep up with NHL pace, then all your greatest skill sets just kind of go out the window. So my concern here is with COVID, with players coming in and out of the lineup, are they able to produce in the same way when they're forced to play with different defensive pairings um, against different uh, against different levels of competition? If they got to be moved up into the lineup, and Lilligren has had to do that, um, it's proven that the Leafs do have something above and beyond. The question mark for Toronto entering the season was, how were they going to round out that defense? Were they going to have to go out and find a player in the open market? And how much is that going to cost and other assets, et cetera, et cetera. Lilligren's development and showing that he's able to produce right now 
gives them the flexibility to say, okay, we don't necessarily have to go down that route. And now having both those players as a potential pairing, let's just put them as a second pairing moving forward and having Morgan Riley and TJ Brody is there as the first pairing. Um, it's kind of interesting where you see Jake Muzzin kind of falling into play. He's that veteran that's going to teach these two players to take over those spots. The odd man out is Justin Hall. Now, what do you do with Justin Hall? He's a very attractive player from a salary perspective, but doesn't necessarily mean that the teams are going to be lining up to try to pick him up. In the end, what we're seeing is the development of Sandin and Lilligren is making some of the decisions that the Leafs staff had to make obsolete. And that, I think, is the biggest plus for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're talking about them individually, how they're how they're progressing, but they have just marvelous chemistry as a tandem, which is hard to find. And with the forwards too, it's not just between them. They have good. Uh, it's like an elastic relationship. They can right. kind of get. They can kind of create the space that they require, or shut down the space that they need to do in order to uh, to be defensively responsible. It's good to see both of them stepping up at this point. Okay, we'll end the positives here. Um, and this was uh, a concern going into the season just because we didn't know how the tandem was going to work out. We didn't know how Jack Campbell was going to work out. Jack Campbell is, is Vesna material. Absolutely. This, this is, he's a fun guy to watch. He's a nice guy too. And, and you want to, as a person, want to see him succeed. Um, so that I think is a nice little positive. Yep, absolutely. So now let's go to the no guy at Ledger. So no guy, what are your concerns about this team? Uh, well, we already talked about one, Justin Hall. I think yeah. that uh, he was the necessity that, that forced Toronto to make a move, um, like picking up Jared McCann to give off to Seattle. Um, the reality was that they needed him to be in that second slot just because of the salary, not because of his skill set. We've seen him struggle all season long. And one of the comments that seemed to overwhelm prior to the season was how good Jake Muzzin was to be able to cover that up. Jake Muzzin isn't there to cover up Justin Hall's mistakes. Jake Muzzin is there to provide a defensive stability. And if Hall isn't able to raise or elevate his game to the degree that they expect him to, when the playoffs are, are here and there's no longer a salary component, perhaps he's kind of one of those odd men left out. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I don't know how to phrase this. I don't want to be too negative. Not really enthralled with what I, what they have out of Peter Mrazek so far. So I don't think that we've seen enough of a body a body of work to give Mrazek the thumbs up or thumb down. But I right. think overall his his debut in a Leafs uniform has been has left a lot to be desired. Yeah. So again, you kind of go back to the issue of him being unhealthy, but that seems to have been his whole career. So you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and the analytics and all the numbers that we talked about prior to the season gave him um, an underrated title, but I'm not sure that he's proven that he can step in and be a proper one, a or one B goaltender at this point. Now, going back to just how good Jack Campbell has been, that kind of pushes Morazic down and it kind of mitigates a lot of the negativity that might be flowing from his current performance. But if something happens to Campbell, they need to have a seamless um, um, movement into another goaltender. And I'm not really sure Morazic is that guy at this point in time. Well, it sounds like we don't have a lot of no guys here. I mean, there's not that much concern, is there? For me, I think the, the concern is Marner. I know that he's performed better lately, um, there's a lot of predictability still left in his game. And while we're still in the regular season and he's able to produce, he's not able to drive his own line. He's not 
as unpredictable as a player of his caliber should be. You expected him to be more like Patrick Kane, and I'm not really sure that that's kind of working out. Um, I think, like in the end, you're looking at your stars to be stars, but if Marner can't be a star on his own, how much of an effect is he really giving this team? And I want to say that, you know, you can put him on the ice and he's dangerous and all that kind of stuff, but in the end, I'm not 100% convinced that Marner's play from the beginning of last year's playoffs to today puts a warm, fuzzy feeling in my belly. There's there's something there that I think can be exploited in times, and in times I mean during the playoffs. Um, and as much of a positive as you can possibly be during the regular season, uh, you need to be able to perform at crucial moments during the playoffs. So I still have a lot of... Uh, negativity in my antennas based on Mitch Marner. Well, and based on what you said there, what we know, I mean, it's really, uh, it, when the playoffs start, it's really going to be uh, on him to deliver some numbers. And, and if it doesn't work out, uh, it's going to really be noticeable, isn't it? Yeah. That Marner's going to, Marner's going to be under scrutiny for the, from the first moment that puck drops during the playoffs, regular season aside, and and everybody's talking, you know, okay, fine, regular season success, blah, blah, blah. But he's going to be under such scrutiny. It's going to be even worse than it was last year. He needs to be able to kind of blot all that out and perform better. Um, there's only really one or two other little negatives that I think I have. We already kind of talk about Nick Ritchie. We expected more, or right. at least the expectation was there, but it's not there. Um, and where does Travis Dermott fit in all of this? Does he take over for Justin Hall if something falters in the playoffs? Is Dermott even a leaf by the end of the season? Those two factors, I think, are still undecided, um, and that would be my no-guy con- uh, compliment. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So now that we've gone through all of this, uh, if I if I uh, sort of put the last year's lease beside this year's Leafs, um, I don't think there's any comparison at all. At, at this point in the season, this year's Leafs has uh, many more layers to it than than last year's, and I'm, I'm really more confident about what this team can do in different situations. Last year it was, you know, I've summed this up before: three nights in Edmonton and three straight losses to Montreal, and a lot of stuff in between. But but that was the season. This year, I, I would say, I would describe this as, let's see what happens here. There's plenty of interest. You know, the, and I think that the biggest factor there is really Jack Campbell. Campbell yeah. doing this Vezina-style season has just put the Leafs at a, kind of drop that, that it's dropped their anxiety level to yeah, be concern. able to just, yeah, they can, they can kind of, I don't want to use the word float, but they can float through this regular season and experiment a little bit because they know that they have the stability in net. Last year, they did not. The expectation was, okay, let's hope that we can get through this phase. Now they know what they kind of have. I think that there's enough of a sample size with Jack Campbell in the regular lineup with the players the Toronto Maple Leafs expect to go into battle with in the playoffs. Um, so that stability itself has given the team a, 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 a carte blanche to be able to kind of do new things and try new things during this regular season that they might have to do during the playoffs. Interesting. So uh, we, we're optimistic and we'll end it on that, Gus. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Pleasure's always mine. Thank you very much, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross. And so we're under a time limit. Let's get out of here lickety-split. Let's play Yes Guy, No Guy, the solo round here. Yes Guy, No Guy number one. You love the flexibility and depth of the Leafs forward unit. Oh, yes, Guy. Are you kidding me? This is a deep forward unit. 
And really, you know, there were concerns last year. It was top heavy. I, I mean, the, the top four are there and they're contributing, but there are some great parts that have been added here. Great versatility and flexibility. So this is an emphatic yes guy. Yes guy, no guy number two. Mikheyev is a weapon. Oh, yes guy. Who has a third line winger like this? He skates like the wind. He's got this big stride, creates space, and now fires the bucket well. Wednesday night at six shots on goal, scored the power play. This guy is a developing story, so yes guy to that. And the final yes guy, no guy, Jack Campbell, Vizinabaum. Oh, guy, it certainly looks like it. So I'm going to say yes guy. Fingers crossed for the health. But Jack Campbell, without a doubt, is the best leaf on the ice most nights, if not all of them. Well, thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed episode 13 of Leaf Sky. Hope you come back next week for episode 14.